The wisdom of experts can change your life. As a co-chair at the University of Texas, you've attained this elite status from growing and evolving over the course of your coaching career. In our Learning from Experts podcast, exclusively for the head coaches here at the University of Texas, we're going to accelerate that process. You'll hear from world-class coaches, sports psychologists, and successful people. And occasionally, it's the wisdom that impacts other areas of your life, like your health or your marriage. But here's something really important to appreciate. Timing. Hearing something at exactly the right time makes all the difference. Sometimes it's repetition. Hearing a concept multiple times until it resonates with you. So buckle up. This week's Learning from the Experts is about to begin. Hey coaches, John Mitchell here. Boy, life is good, isn't it? Well, this week, we're hearing from our very own Rodney Derry, the head basketball coach here at the University of Texas. Listen for how college basketball has evolved to older players. Also listen for how Rodney impacts his daily mindset. Boy, this is really interesting. He's doing something that is powerful. And be sure to listen for what Rodney's special talent is and how he overcomes players' negative inner voice. It's powerful. And here's the essence of what you'll learn this week, the power of learning from others. This is something Rodney is really big on. And coaches, before we start this interview, I want you to do something for me. Just step back from your life for a moment. Think about the younger version of you. Think about yourself as a coach back in your 20s or early 30s. Got that vision in your head? Now, think about yourself today. Way more enlightened, right? Way more enlightened. But how did that happen? Well, at the end of the day, it mostly happened from learning from others. Other people taught you key things that made you more enlightened. So learning from others is what has made you the great coach you are today as you sit here as a head coach at one of the top universities in the country. And I share this with you because I want you to appreciate at an even deeper level the power of learning from others. As you'll hear in the interview with Rodney, boy, he gets it. But as enlightened and sharp as you are today, you can go to an even higher level by intentionally upping your game and growing and learning. Now, I personally found the way to do that is to have a system for how you grow and learn, a system that makes it both consistent and strategic relative to what you want to learn at the current moment. If you're interested in creating and customizing a system for you, just let me know. I'm here to help, and it's easier than you think. But in the meantime, let's listen to Rodney. He's got some great pearls of wisdom. Rodney, thank you for joining us today. John, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. So I see that college basketball is uh, changing, isn't it? It's it's uh, transitioning more to older players. Is that right? Am I interpreting that right? 
You know what, John, you know, over the last, give us take, you know, five years, it probably has because of the portal and guys obviously being, you know, eligible to play right away. Uh, you know, used to kiss you stuff. They did transfer. They had to sit out and a lot of guys were, you know, a lot of times deterred away from, you know, transferring because they didn't want to sit out. But, uh, uh, but now with that portal, you, you, you definitely, you know, a lot of teams and programs want to stay older. Uh, I think again, but at a place like Texas, we can recruit, you know, the best players in the country and, and uh, still there's a lot of value to, to a, a first year player that can come in and physically is ready to play and uh, can play with older players. Right. Well, I guess when you're comparing, you know, seniors to freshmen, it's like boys to men, right? Uh, to some degree. Isn't that, isn't that true? Well, I, I think so. I think, again, uh, you know, just in, in basketball and in our sport, you know, uh, I think over the years um, we've seen basketball grow, grow tremendously in the state of Texas. Uh, we've got really good basketball, high school basketball coaches uh, in the state of Texas, and we're getting, you know, we're producing more skilled basketball players uh, just in general. But uh, uh, I think, again, if a youngster is uh, physically ready to go and has a really high skill set, um, he too can come in and still be really successful at this level. Right. Would you say that it's we've so, sort of seen this transition from the the one and done that was sort of more popular, what four or five years ago, to to just older older players being the predominant uh, route? Is that basically true? Well, selfishly, I still like that one and done because that one yeah. and done means he's an NBA player. You know, they're, they're not a lot of, you know, they're not a lot of really at the end of the day, you know, when you go in the portal, you know, you, you may have maybe, you know, there's not a lot of NBA guys in the portal. If you're in the, in the portal, you'd be in the NBA already, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, you know, if you're able to to go and attract one of the, you know, best players, you know, in the country as a high school player that had the chance to be an NBA player, then and, uh, you know, at a, at a place like Texas, we feel like we can do that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, obviously, last year was what a transition year. And um, I saw where where Rick Barnes is one of your mentors. Talk about how, how Rick helped you personally as you transitioned to being the head coach. Well, you know, I got a chance to work with Rick for nine years, and uh, man, we had a we had a great run. I think that really the only thing we didn't do here is win a national championship. I mean, we got a chance to go to Final Fours, Elite Eight, or go to a Final Four and several Elite Eights, and uh, we we had several teams that we felt like had a chance to win the whole thing. Um, you know, but I, I think the thing that that Rick that I learned most in working with Rick is that you, you you're only going to be as good as the people you put around you. It's really right. important that you you have a great staff and you have continuity in your staff. I I recall back you know being with Rick over those years, we didn't lose very many guys off our staff, and as a result of that, we were able to mm-hmm. uh, sustain a high level of of success uh, every year because you know we pretty much had it kind of you know we we had our program the way we wanted it. We know we knew what type of kids we were going to recruit uh, and. Uh, you know, there were several times we, you know, go deep in the march and we lose our entire team. And, you know, we bring in a whole, you know, back then you bring in seven freshmen, which is kind of unheard of right now. But we were really kind of restock, uh, you know, our teams uh, with, with, the, with the kind of guys that, uh, that we were used to having and everything. But, but I think that and I think coming into your, to, to the office every day thinking like a head coach, he challenged you to think like a head coach every day. Uh, as an assistant, and he really didn't stunt your growth. He gave you an opportunity to uh, uh, be in front of the media 
uh, whether it be on radio shows, sometimes even doing some TV interviews. So he was preparing you for your next chapter in terms of being a head coach. Right. And Rodney, what did he say specifically to you as you were going through the transition to taking over head coaching the team? Okay, well, here, I, you know, I, I spoke to Coach early on in the process, and he just said to myself, you know, Rodney, you gotta, you need, need to really get your, your mind wrapped around you, you know, coaching for the remainder of the season. He said, you're going to be the guy, you know, in, in charge, and uh, just be you. He said, don't go and try to change and try to be Coach, you know, Coach Beard at the time. Go and be Coach Terry. Go and be, you know, your, yourself, and, uh, you know, you're more than prepared for this opportunity. You You've done it for 10 years already, and, uh, um, you know, you know this team better than anybody right now. And so just, you know, go ahead and stay the course of what you guys have been doing and, you know, continue to sprinkle in the way you want to play and the way you want to do things. And, uh, you know, just go out there and leave it all out there on the floor. Wow, that's, uh, that's uh, a shot of confidence coming from him, isn't it? No, absolutely. Coach has always been a great mentor for me over the years. You know, if I had – had a question or, or wanted to get some advice on something in terms of, you know, maybe how to handle a certain situation. You know, he's always a phone call away uh, and uh, and always, you know, has great, great advice. Uh, he, uh, along with a couple other mentors, have always been great with me. And, uh, you know, no coincidence, they've all been my former bosses uh, and everything as well. Right. And I know you you lost your ultimate mentor and your, da your dad died this this year, didn't he? He did. And, uh, you know, had a huge impact on my life and uh, my decision to go into coaching, uh, in the coaching profession. He was in a high school coach for over 40 years and uh, uh, just saw how he, how he impacted so many lives and helped so many young kids, you know, set them on a great vision for their, for their life and their path in terms of what they were able to do in the, in the, in the future. And so I wanted to try to have that same type of influence and impact on youngsters as well. Right. When, when did he die? Uh, August of last year. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Man, I'll tell you, how old was he when he died? He was 68 years old. Oh, that's way too early, isn't it? Yeah. He still had a whole life ahead of him. Still wanted to continue to coach and was excited about coaching another season, to be honest with you. And, uh, um, you know, I got a chance to spend uh, the past season, you know, prior to him passing uh, back in Austin again and him getting a chance to come down and watch his practice and and uh, be be close to one another. Right. So he didn't he didn't see you take over the team. Right. No, he didn't. He did in heaven. He was. Yeah, I get that. And he, and, he, and, he, and he was always, you know, giving me advice and he was always, always there for me when I needed to talk to him. Uh, as well, but uh, but no, he didn't get a chance to see me actually leading the leading the program here. Wow, wow, what a, what a lot of uh, transition to lose your dad and then take over the team. Uh, but you know that's how life works sometimes, right? Well, John, I, I think you know if you're if you're a man of faith and you, and you have you know uh, strong belief in God, I think you you have to lean on your faith in in those times and and even you know, in good times as well, you know, but, but in particular when you're, you're struggle, struggling or if you have obstacles in life, uh, you know, God's not going to put anything in front of you that you can't handle and overcome, but, but you really, you know, dig deep and, and you ask him every day to give you strength to continue to, you know, persevere through, through whatever you're going through. Right, right. Well, I tell you, losing, losing your dad, it, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? 
No, it really does. I mean, you know, um, again, now you, you know, you become, you know, pretty much uh, the, the stockholder in your, in your family in terms of trying to help, help your mother and your sister mm-hmm. and, your, and your other, you know, family members and stuff as well. Right, right. So, so tell us about the culture that you're building. I know one of the pillars is, is humility and, and, and uh, I know there's other things, but tell, tell us the, what the pillars of your culture are. Well, Texas basketball in general, you know, we, we, you like to try to have an identity in terms of who you are. And I know a lot of people talk about culture all the time, but, you know, it's about, the, you know, how you go about your business every day. But more importantly, I think, you know, we really want to surround ourselves with, with good people, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer. And I know our staff, we preach it every day. If you're a good person, then you have a chance to be a good player. It's really hard to be a, a good player if you're not a good person. So you got to work really hard at trying to trying to have really high character guys in your program. I mean, character's number one for us in our in our in our program. And oftentimes we say, "What really is character? Character is when that light's turned off in the room. Who are you? Mm-hmm. I mean, who are you? That's that's your character every day in terms of what you do when no one's around, you know, and stuff. So hopefully you're a good person that wants to make you know good decisions and good choices every day. But you know, skill set. You know, we like to come in and think that we're going to get you better from the time you arrive on campus to the time you leave. We, we're really big with player development and really trying to develop guys uh, to be to even to be even better from the time they get here to the time they leave. A better person, a better player. A lot of times we talk about toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness, um, you know, just, again, being able to persevere through ad- adversity and and uh, to try to instill in guys how hard they have to work every day, but keep a stone face every day. Never get too high, never get too low. Have an even kill. Be an everyday guy. Let me move over, and you alluded to the fact of being a humble person. Have some humility about yourself. Being humble and being grateful for everything that you have. Then we want to be servanthood. We talk all the time about it's important that you're a giver. We, we're being blessed to have so much. You know, be someone that wants to give back, uh, be someone that wants to to, to hopefully, uh, you know, help someone else have a better day, you know, and be a blessing for someone else. Because if you are, you're going to be blessed tenfold. And, and then the last one is thankfulness. You know, say thank you. I mean, it's an easy thing to do. It's two words. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, God, for giving us this day. We're just so thankful for everything uh, and every opportunity that we have. Those are those are kind of six pillars that we we really uh, you know um, really try to get our guys to buy into in terms of who we are as Texas basketball. Right, right. And Rodney, do you think it takes three or four years to really seed in your culture? I was talking to Sark about this, and. And I've sort of we we've sort of seen it with the football team that uh, you know they're in year three now, and and obviously it's 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 his own players largely, but there's so much more to it than just that. Just instilling that culture deep into your players. Do you do you buy it's a three or year three or four year process? Well, again, John, you know we we have elite level coaches on this on this uh, on this campus. Uh, and and I have so much respect for every coach that we have here on campus. You know, uh, Coach Elliott's won a national championship in, in in volleyball this past season, and you just saw how connected his team was out there competing 
you know, in every match. You know, you look at us women and diving, you know, Coach Reese, he's a, he's a living legend, you know. And, uh, uh, again, you know, what Coach Sark is doing, he's seeing the results of uh, all of his hard work, his staff's hard work in terms of really getting his guys to buy into to chemistry. I, I think right now they have incredible, you know, chemistry in terms of you can see how close-knit group they are right now, whether it be the offense, the defense, everybody's out there pulling for one another. And uh, I do think it's a process. I think when we got here and Coach Beard and our staff, we really worked hard on on the culture piece and getting guys to really try to buy into to chemistry. And, you know, if you're going to, you know, win an elite level, you have to have a, a room full of great teammates, uh, you know. Uh, and, and if everybody is bought into that, that concept, then, then everybody gets a chance to have those individual accolades that they want to have. It's hard to get those individual accolades if you don't have everyone bought into the winning concept. And I think we're seeing that at a high level in football right now, and they're playing for one another. I thought last year our team was was very unselfish. I thought they were great teammates. Obviously had to persevere through a lot of adversity, uh, but they were all pulling for one another, and that's what you have to do to win it at the highest level. Right, right. I know last year when Coach Beard was coach, he would he would make it a point to talk to each player on the squad once a day. Do you do the same thing? We do. We, uh, you know, you, uh, I think it's really hard just to come into practice or come into games and just coach guys on the floor. You know, this day and time with youngsters is really important that you spend time with them away from the court. You know, a lot of times we'll have meetings where they come in and we may not even talk about basketball. We just may talk about, hey, how are you doing academically? How's your family doing right now? But but kids genuinely have they they have to know that you have their best interests in mind, not just from a basketball standpoint. They they have to know you care about them and you love them uh, as people. And uh, and I think when you have that, then you're able to get the most out of them on the floor. You're able to motivate them at an at at a, at a very high level, uh, and, and the buy-in you know, comes into play because of that. But every day we do, we get a chance. I, I call it, we have to touch our guys every day. We don't have one guy that we feel like can just float around and float through the day without coming by and, and getting a chance to to talk to uh, the coaching staff. They literally have to stop by each office, um, you know, on their, on their way out of the building. Oh, wow. So, so it's the player's responsibility to touch base with you, essentially. Well, it's kind of of locked into a day. We have a KD schedule. We call it a KD schedule because Kevin Durant's one of those old school guys that just lives in the gym and you have to push him out of the building. So, so we have a, we have a KD schedule and and on your KD schedule, you know, we have, we have it kind of built in where you kind of need to come and stop by and talk to the coaches. You know, a lot of times what we do is we have our guys come by and they watch practice. They get a chance to watch their offensive clips they get a chance to watch their defensive clips, and then they get a chance to come in and talk to Coach Terry, and he kind of sums everything up for the day. Right, right. So what have you learned from Vic Schaefer? Man, you know what? Coach Schaefer, is a, you know, he's a great person to, to start with. I mean, he's, a, he he's, is. Obviously, he's obviously a great coach and uh, has, has had a lot of success as a coach. But, but as a person, as a man, he's a really good man. He's a, he's a Christian man. Uh, and he lives his life the right way. Um, you know, he has a lot of old school values that that I that I uh, I treasure and grew up, you know, abiding by. And uh, we're just kind of cut from the same cloth in that regards. Right. So, is there any one thing that that you've taken from him that you've applied? 
I think again, I think you know both of us are real defensive minded coaches. And yeah, we like to talk defense, and you know if you're going to win championships, I know it sounds very cliche. I think in any team sport, you know you you have to have a great defense, and defense wins championships. You know, and so he and I we get lost a lot of times talking about defense and getting our, how how hard it is to get our our kids to play really hard with a lot of effort and and, and compete at a very high level. I bet you all have had some Whataburgers together, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, Whataburger is a pretty good spot. Not bad. You know, we're Texas boys, so, you know, we all grew up on Whataburger. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, obviously accountability is a key part of your, your program, but how, how do you measure players and, and, and then hold them accountable to the, the standard? I, that's always sort of the challenge, but how do you do that? I think again, you know, I, I, you know, we all obviously were former players, and you know, as 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 players, you know, we always. I think the one thing you want as a player is you just wanted to you don't know, have a fair chance, you know, and an, and an opportunity is all you want. And I think that's what you really want in life, you know. But I think more than that, I think you have to to be prepared for those opportunities, and and uh, and uh, and I think you know, I've always had the old adage in terms of coaching. Um, you know, I, I coach my best player just like I coached, you know, my 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 last player. And I think you're only as good as your weakest link, you know. Yeah. I think when you're able to treat everyone fairly and and not have any kind of favoritism of any kind, I, I think it really helps hold guys accountable because guys know if we're going to hold and coach the best player and hold him accountable just like we would, you know, your your very last player, then, then I think you're able to, to have some – some accountability that guys really buy into. Does does each player get graded each game, like on a scale of one to a hundred, or how's that work? Well, for us, I mean, we we grade out on a, a number of different things. I, I just I can use it, you know, rebounding as an example. You know, uh, uh, we we grade out our rebounders. We have guys that are supposed to crash, and we have guys that are supposed to be get back guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we grade on how I get well. I I get back guys did a good job of getting back on defense. Uh, as well as guys that are supposed to crash for us, we grade out on on the crashes. We grade out on uh, on how many points were given up um, individually. How many points did you give up defensively? So, you know, we have a number of different things that we grade out on. There's some guys that we measure, you know, assist to turnovers, you know, and being and being able to value taking care of the basketball as well. Right, right. And so, so each player knows after each game pretty clearly how they did because they're going to get a gr- grade on it, right? Oh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have they're gonna get immediate feedback. I mean, and and I think it's very important that they get immediate feedback. So, you know, the next day we'll come in and guys get a chance to watch their clips. They'll watch all their offensive clips. They'll watch all their defensive clips, and uh, and we'll try to get better uh, through visual learning. Uh, and then obviously go back to the floor and really try to have some application on getting better. Right. Right. You know, I think everybody has a special talent. What would be your special talent? Will be my special talent, you know. I think I like to think that I'm a pretty good relationship guy. You know, I I, I try to pride myself on really trying to instill in my guys how important it is to to have uh, elite level communication. You know, and mm-hmm. I think anytime in in life in general, uh, when when you uh, you experience some difficulty or, or or you have some obstacles in life that you that you go through, a lot of times it's where you have breakdown in communication. Okay, so I, I think again, just nurturing relationships and uh, and communicating at a very high level is is something I really work hard at trying to do. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you think most players have a negative inner voice? Well, I think, again, I, I, I think uh, I, there's probably a level of, of, uh, of, of maybe not being confident. But I always go back to the old adage, I think, confidence comes from preparation. If right. You, if you prepare and you, and you prepare at an elite level, I'm talking about when no one's around, when no one's in the building, you know, you trust what you do in terms of hard, how hard you're working. And what you put into this is what you're going to get out of it. You got, my guys always hear me say it all the time. You reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you learn to have an incredible work ethic and, uh, and and get out there and compete every day and, and really work on your craft every day. There's no pressure. The pressure is if you got to go out there and perform and you haven't had a chance to prepare, you know, yeah. or you go into an exam. And, and and I haven't prepared for that exam. That's pressure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a negative inner voice? No, I, I I really don't. I mean, I try to every day. You know, honestly, to be honest with you, I try to to get up every day and and uh, hit the pavement with the. I think so much of it is about your attitude and your approach. The mind's a powerful tool. It can talk you into a great day. It can talk you into a bad day. So every day I wake up, I try to get my mind and talking me into a great day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I know what you mean, Rodney. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, I teach here at UT and I coach entrepreneurs and I never had a negative inner voice. And it sounds like you didn't either, but my experience is about 80% of people do. And, and, you know, I'm like, boy, I tell you, you know, life is hard enough without you piling on you. You know, right. you got to have that attitude that right. I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. And I get that sense that that's what you instill in your players. Every day. I mean, again, you know, I think, it, you know, so much of, of what you do and how you do on any given day is your attitude and your approach. If you have a great attitude and, uh, you know, uh, uh, in regards to, to, to what you're doing every day, man, you're going to probably have a great day. You know, and, 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 and the other thing, John, is tomorrow's not promised to us. We better right. enjoy the day. I don't, want, I don't want my last day to not be a great day. You know, so yeah. I'm going to I'm going to come in and I'm going to try to live it to the fullest, whether I'm sick, whether there's something else going on. I am going to have a great day uh, regardless. I'm not going to tell- get too low. I'm going to try to be an everyday guy. Right. I, I can tell that's who you are. You know, so think about this. You know, a person's success in life, as well as their enjoyment in life, is determined by the the thoughts that are going in their head the majority of the time. You'd agree with that, right? 100%. Yeah, I, I knew you would. And But you know, it's interesting, only about 2% of people do anything to impact their mindset in their morning routine. And I find that so interesting that that clearly everybody agrees that, that one's thoughts are what determines one's success and enjoyment in life. But very few people do anything in the morning, in their morning routine, to impact their their thoughts. I don't know, but I'm betting you do. You do something, don't you? You know what? Uh, my mom and I share a, a, a devotional every day in terms of, and a lot of times she'll send it to me in the mornings, and and I'll get a chance to read it for the day, and it'll set me on a on a great path for that day. And there's always some scripture involved there, and there's all always a. Uh, you know, in the devotion, there's always a way that you can apply it in your day yeah. and everything as well. So, you know, that's great food of thought for me for that day. And it gets me off 
to to a great start and uh, and to have a positive mindset about about what I'm trying to accomplish for for any given day. Well, you know that's very similar to CDC. I just interviewed him last week, and uh, you know he he has a he's been doing this program for a year of a Bible verse a day, and you know I think that's great. I mean that's clearly impacting your your mindset. So the right thoughts are going on in your head every day, John. I tell you, and and, and not only that, I, I a lot of times I take notes on you know every Sunday. Uh, on, on my pastor's uh, sermons and stuff and, and things of that nature there. And, and sometimes I even listen to, to other, you know, pastors on on, uh, on TV as well. And, and uh, I'm taking notes, maybe something I can take back. And, you know, a lot of times I, I don't interject a lot of a lot of it all the time on my team, but I think there are times that you can interject and you can convey to your players how important it is to have, you know, a level of faith. Uh, you know, you don't, my mom was a Christian. She lives a Christian life. She never pushed it down my throat, but I think there are times all the time that you can, you know, instill in young people the importance of having faith and, and having a blind faith. You know, so many people want instant gratification right now. We're in, we're in an instant gratification, you know, society right now, but you have to have a blind faith, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, a lot of times, one thing that's lost, I think, art right now, and I talked to our team about it, and I, I talked to our team a lot about it last year, is the art of praying. So many people don't pray, you know what yeah. I mean? And the one thing I will tell you, God answers every prayer. He may not answer it on your timetable, but I promise you he will answer your prayer. And this is what I try to instill in my guys. You want something bad enough in life, pray for it. God will give it to you. He answers every prayer. There's not one prayer that he's not going to answer. It may not be again when you, you know, right when you want it, but I promise you he's going to deliver it to you. So, you know, I think again, if you're able to just give guys food of thought, and and we have a we have a chaplain on our team too that that again, you know, does a great job with this Randy Roberts, you know, and he's just again an extension of our staff, and, and does a great job, you know, connecting with guys that also want to have you know a spiritual connection as well, uh, and uh, as they kind of go through their journey uh, in in competing in in uh, college athletics here on campus. Wow, that is interesting. I, I see uh, how important the uh, spiritual uh, aspect uh, of life is to you, and how you're conveying that to to your players. And and I see with players, though, you know, they're distracted by social media. And I mean, you know how it was from when we were what eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, and it's only on much more now than it was when we were young. But how do you get them? to focus on the process and to shut out the the noise because they're not going to read typically a Bible verse a morning. Is, is that a fair statement? No, John, I think, I think you're correct on that. I think uh, what we try to talk to our guys about is just limiting distractions. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, social media is, is, is kind of a way of life right now. And, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a privilege to have, you know, social media, but I think you have to be really responsible too in terms of protecting your brand too. I talk to our guys all the time about how important it is to protect your brand in terms of, you know, your messaging, your retweeting things. You know, you you have to really again, you you have to look at your social media like you're it's a live interview for you every mm-hmm. day. They've got a camera right in front of you and they're interviewing you with the live interview. So, you know, you have to be very conscious of again, you know, um, what you're saying, how you're saying it, 
and and you never want to offend anyone. But I think if you're able to to limit just distractions, not just our student athletes, us also as well, uh, just limiting distractions in your life, I think it it gives you a chance to to be successful and and, uh, and, and get things done at a high level. Right. I guess basically it's eliminate the distractions and focus on the process and have That's discipline. Right. That's right. Right. So I know that that one of your goals is is to just do your best. What what is how do you define doing your best and how has that changed is over the years? I think if you're able to give 100 percent of everything that you do, you don't have to be perfect. I tell my guys all the time, there's no perfect person and you don't have to do anything perfect. You know, I, I think, again, it's, it's uh, um, life is a game of habits. Basketball is a game of habits. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, but you want to go hard at everything you do. You make a mistake. You're going to have a lot of adversity. You're going to have to overcome. Life's about adapting and adjusting all the time. And, uh, you know, the sooner you're able to learn that in life and be able to adapt and adjust with that, you know, the better you're going to be moving forward. But, uh, again, no, no one's perfect. I always tell guys that no one's going to play a perfect game no one's going to coach a perfect game and we know no one's going to officiate a perfect game. So we're going to, we're going to just, you know, we're going to stay the course and we're going to continue to persevere and uh, we're going to do what we practice and, you know, we're going to do what we practice in the game of life. Right. Well, you know, Rodney, it's, it's interesting. I look back on my life and in my thirties and forties, I had this understanding of, of doing my best was really at the end of the day, just getting up at five 30 in the morning. And, you know, when I got to be 50, I'm like, you know, I think I'm missing it here. I think there's way more to, to, you know, doing my best than I've been seeing, such as I sort of realized, you know, I've got to bring in the wisdom of experts into my head on a consistent basis. I can't just wing it like I've maybe, maybe done. And I got to tune into to reality in ways that maybe I didn't before. And I got to figure out what moves the needle. And then I got to focus on that. So I saw that that my doing my best radically changed uh, at the midpoint of my life versus how it was younger. Have you, have you had the same sort of similar epiphanies in your life? You know what? I think just locking in on, on uh, you know, I always tell our guys, man, if we can just get really good at one thing, you know, and then we graduate to being really good at two things. You know, I think when you're able to just kind of lock in and kind of dial in on things where you can be really good. I read this really good book a, a while back, and it was called The One Thing. Yeah. And, and the focus was just get really good at something really good. You know what I mean? And uh, we had Miles Turner here uh, two weeks ago. He's an NBA player right now. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing to our guys. They heard it not only from myself. They heard it from someone else. Hey, guys, get really good at two things, two things in basketball. Okay, and then build off of that. But you got to be really, really good. Not good. He said great at two things. So I think, again, when you're able to just kind of lock in and, and focus, it's really hard to multitask. Everyone wants to multitask. But just lock in and get really good at one thing or two things. And I, and I just literally just said that to our team today uh, in regards. And I think I used uh, a reference to something that they were, you know, very familiar with in Starbucks. You know, Starbucks, when they kind of came out and started from the very beginning, it was all about their coffee. It was like, okay, man, Starbucks has the best coffee. You right. know, then they started branching into all these other things. Now and now you can go have lunch at Starbucks. You can have dinner at Starbucks. But they, they were really good at one thing initially. 
but now they branched out to a whole different variety of things. Right. So with Miles Turner, what what are the two things he's great at? As, well, you know what he, he said to our guys coming out of high school, he was really good at at at, at uh, shooting the basketball uh, in, in space in the floor, mm-hmm. and and he could he could shoot for a big guy he could shoot threes and that was something he did really well. He was a guy. Uh, also coming out of high school, that was an elite level shot blocker. He mm-hmm. had great timing and he could block shots. Mm-hmm. So he was really, really good at two things, uh, you know, coming into college. Okay. Now, you know, what else was I going to be better at to try to get to the next level? He had to be better at running the floor. He really had to learn how to run. Okay. In high school, didn't have to run quite as much as the way he needed to at the pace he needed to. But in college, he really learned how to pick his feet up and really get out and run the floor. So run the floor, be an elite level guy that runs the floor. Uh, and then I think the, the other thing was he needed to be an elite level rebounder. Rebound outside his area. There are a lot of rebounds that just hit you right in the head. You don't have to go anywhere, but right. be a guy that goes outside your area and rebound the basketball. So he learned to do that too at a very high level as well. Yeah. What, what a powerful lesson that, you know, that makes so much sense, especially for a basketball player to pick two things. Great lesson. So maybe our last question is talk about personal growth. What do you, what do you do on a regular basis to grow yourself? Well, John, I think, again, I always tell our guys, you're lifelong learners, man. I mean, you know, I think if you're not working on your crap as much as we talk about our guys, you know, being in the gym, working on their craft, whether it be shooting, ball handling, um, you know, we have to do the same thing as coaches. I mean, we have to, again, I think in coaching, when you think you know it all and you feel like you've arrived, then you probably don't need to go get a rocking chair and sit on that porch somewhere. <laughs> you haven't arrived. Coaching is all about taking other things, watching what other people do that, that, that helps those guys be successful at a high level. And sometimes it may not even be in your same sport. It may be in football. It could be in baseball. It can be in track and field. It can be in anything in terms of you're watching, you know, other coaches, you know, experience a high level of success. What really helped those guys, okay, you know, get the most out of their, out of the, out of the youngsters that they're coaching and working with. And, uh, you know, I think Rick Patino said it best here recently. He said, you know, coaches is about just taking and grabbing from everyone and, and then you fit it and mold it for where you are to fit your personnel and in the in the youngsters that, that you're working with. But I try to continue to read uh on, on a regular basis. I was in the airport here a couple of weeks ago and I was reading a health magazine and ran across a really good book. Uh stay, oh, I believe it was Stay Insane in an Insane World mm-hmm. uh by Greg Harden. Really good book. He was a uh, he's a um, he was a counselor for uh, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had uh, Michael Phelps on campus at the time, and he also had uh, uh, Heisman Trophy Desmond Howard. Dev, I think it was Desmond Howard yeah. on, on campus at Michigan at, at that time. But those guys talked about the impact that he had on them, not just while they were on campus, but also into their professional careers and. And again, it all got back to being the best version of yourself and and uh, giving 100% of everything that, that you do. But I think you just continue to try to, you know, stimulate your mind in terms of having growth with your team. You want your team to have a growth mindset. You have to have a growth mindset yeah. and continue to grow yourself, you know, from year to year. Well, you know, the thing that was so pivotal for me in my life was uh, – creating a system for personal growth where where it was, first of all, it was consistent every week. 
And secondly, it was strategic relative to what I wanted to accomplish. And I saw that that, that system was the key because if I just had the attitude, I'm going to grow is way too inconsistent. And it wasn't things that really necessarily would help me. Do you have sort of some sort of system or do you try and read a book a month or how does it work for you personally? You know, I, I try to get me one and, and uh, you know, I'll quickly probably move to another one as well. But I always think you're constantly reading uh, to, to, to better yourself. It also continues to, to expand your, keep your vocabulary sharp as well. So um, I, I think it, it helps in a number of different areas. But, but I just think, again, you know, I think you, you have to challenge yourself to have an open mind. You know, I, I don't think you can be closed-minded in terms of, what you do and how you do it. You know, you have to be open to, to new ideas. I, I also think that you surround yourself with really good people that also have good ideas and, and, and they're lifelong learners as well. But uh, uh, I've always been one to, 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 to not try to micromanage. I'm not a micromanager. You know what I mean? Right. I hire guys and I expect them to do their jobs at an elite level. You at the University of Texas as an assistant coach, you should be a pro. You know what I mean? And uh, at, at what you do and, and how you do it, you know, uh, there's no on the job training at Texas, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, so, uh, but, but I, uh, I think if you, if you, if you have, have that kind of mindset, I think it, it, uh, it lends you uh, to, to growth, you know what I mean? And stuff, you know, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm watching all the time and I'm, I'm watching what Sark is doing. I'm watching all the, I learn from our coaches, our coaches, yeah. we we're pretty close knit group and I, I like to think that we share a lot among each other as well and you know I'm watching our coaches we have elite level coaches on this on this campus and I'm learning every day from them we have great leadership on, on this campus I mean you couldn't ask for a better athletic director than CDC and you know a better president than Mr. Hartzell in terms of their support and uh, um, you know really just kind of being there for you and helping you continue to grow yourself yeah yeah well you know in light of the fact that one of your uh, pillars in your culture is uh, doing your best and, and being humble, personal growth fits right in there. That humility and, and growth are, you know, very similar. No, that's that's correct, John. Again, when you think you know it all, you think you got it all figured out, man, you're, you're steady growing, you're evolving all the time, man. And I, and I love that. I, I mean, again, I think in life in general, I think, uh, you know, you, you're only going to be at your best when you're able to do that, you know, and, um, you know, it, it helps. It it, it it again gives you an opportunity to be the best version of yourself every single day when you, when you have that type of approach. Right. Well, I tell you, you're going to have a great year this year. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know we all are. And so uh, thanks so much for uh, taking the time with us today. No, John, thank you. I appreciate it and uh, appreciate what you're doing for us as well. And, uh, uh, again, you know, it, it takes a it takes a village of of all of us being together in, in, in terms of trying to have the uh, the best athletic program in the country. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, again, you know, we, uh, we we appreciate what you do and thank you for having me. Coaches, that was so enlightening. I hope you found it beneficial to you. So let me share three takeaways from this interview with Coach Terry to just think about. So here's the first one. College basketball is evolving to older players. In the past, the one and done freshman was the rage, but now college basketball game has evolved to older players. To some degree, this was influenced by players getting an extra year of eligibility from COVID. 
But the maturity and continuity of having older players really has taken over the college game. But here's a factor to consider. Oftentimes, the one-and-done freshman players have the most talent. They have NBA talent, whereas the older players, especially the players in the portal, do not have NBA talent because, hey, if they did, they'd already be in the NBA. So Rodney still values those great freshman players. And here's the second takeaway from Rodney, how he impacts his daily mindset. He gets devotionals from his mom each day. How cool is that? They always have scripture and lessons in them. He then reads the devotional and thinks about it before he gets going with his day. Boy, this is a brilliant morning routine. It overcomes being innately wired for survival, which causes all of us to be fear-based and reactive. And one other thing, Rodney is a big believer in the power of prayer. He believes God answers prayers 100% of the time, but not always on your timeline. But you have to pray to get those wishes granted. And most people don't appreciate the art of prayer. Rodney teaches this to his players. And here's the third takeaway from Rodney. Communication. Each player is responsible for talking to each coach each day. In order to get the most out of each player, Rodney and his coaches have to have great communication with them. And they accomplish this by putting it on the player's shoulders to come visit with each coach each day. And this is the opposite of how Chris Beard did it. Beard held himself accountable to call each player. But Rodney's special talent is building relationships. And by requiring his players to come visit with him each day, he's essentially created a system for relationship building, playing right into his strength. So here's the action step. Think about your morning routine. When I interview one of our head coaches each month, rarely do I see that anyone does anything in their morning routine to impact their mindset. But Rodney does, as we learned, his mom sends him a spiritual devotional each morning that has a lesson in scripture in it. While that may or may not work for you, here's what I would like you to do. Think about your morning routine. And factor in that we are all innately wired to be fear-based and reactive because we're wired for survival. We are not innately wired for success. So you have to overcome that. And you do that by doing something in your morning routine that impacts your mindset. And as some of you know, I have a 12-minute-a-day morning routine where I feed the succinct articulation of my life to myself each day. Exactly the person I want to be, exactly what I want to accomplish, and precisely how I'm going to achieve my clearly defined goals. This is the central concept of the top book in the world on success, Think and Grow Rich. This 12-minute-a-day morning routine gives me immense control over my life. I'll teach it to you if you're interested. But the main point I want to make is that you have to be doing something each morning to impact your mindset because your success, as well as your enjoyment of life, comes down to the thoughts that are going on in your head on an ongoing basis. Would you agree with that? You have to override daily being innately fear-based and reactive. What Rodney is doing is great.
Think about the appropriate morning routine for you to impact your daily mindset. Well, until next time, hook them.